I'm Stephen Jack Butala. And I'm Jill DeWitt, and this is the Land Academy Show. But today, we are talking about, well, we're going to hear about Jill's personal story, and a little later, we're going to talk about my personal story. Can I pick? Can I? Does it have to be the story of me, or can I just pick a story? You can tell us the story of what happened to you last week, if you'd like. Okay, cool. <laughs> this is all came about because the guy that produces the show, we asked him. You know, you post the stuff, you, you handle the whole thing. He's like, well, it really turns out everybody wants to hear your, some version of your personal story. So it's not, it's uh, completely out of my comfort zone. I don't want to sit around here and talk about myself, but that's what they want. I think it's going to be pretty interesting because I want to hear mm-hmm. Jill's story. Oh. I want to hear what your what your version of this is. Cause... My version of the story. And they're going to give me the real story. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be no, 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 sweetheart. That's not what really <laughs> happened at all. But OK. Hey, I want to pause and say happy almost new year. Yeah. This is it. We have days as this airs just a couple of days before it's 2024. And I was thinking about it today. I'm I'm already starting to write. You know, there's some years you're like, I'm halfway to February and I'm getting the year wrong. I have no idea why, but I'm so excited about this next year. I'm excited. So I'm actually already finding myself um, putting 2024 on things ahead of time. <laughs> I'm doing the opposite and I don't know why it's happening, but it is. It's really funny. Are you doing that at all? No, uh, this time, not at all. I don't, I don't, that never crossed my mind. Hmm. What crosses my mind at this time of the year is what am I going to do about next year and what worked out, what worked last year, what worked next year. I, and honestly, I love this time of year because you just get a restart button. Mm-hmm. And so more and more and more, it's not about money. It's just more about other stuff, which is really a nice place to be in, Jill. True. I completely agree. Each week on the show, we answer questions from the Land Academy member Discord forum. We review land acquisitions from uh, our weekly member webinars, and we take a deep dive into two land-related topics by popular request. All right, so Josiah wrote, I'd like a consensus on this. We're under contract for a 10-acre parcel adjacent to a major interstate accessible via dirt two-track road in a rural area. We're struggling to find comparable properties that border the highway. In your view, does the proximity to the highway negatively impact the value of the pro- of a property like this? The property's physical address access matches up with the legal access. So that's good. We have physical and legal. So it's a two-track owner. First of all, Josiah is a career path alumni. Yeah. Incredibly successful member. And so for him to ask this question is, it's, first of all, it's super cool of you to do this. Thank you. Because mm-hmm. we all learn from uh, things like this. I do, for sure. And um, I think everybody else does. This is He's not a new new person who came up with the, his first deal here. You know, I have, a, I have a question, though. I'm curious. Like, a two-track road, I'm assuming that it's adjacent to the, to the interstate. And I'm assuming, like, from the back way is where the two track coming in like and then but by the way it's on the highway does that bother anybody and i'm gonna can i answer first for sure yeah i don't i'm i'm not worried about it because it's 10 acres if it was one acre and we're on the highway and all that stuff then then i might be a little more concerned but 10 acres with access back on the other way um doesn't does not necessarily worry me number one and number two um you know, because access, 
acreage and affordability are so, and I are such big things on our due diligence and our checklist that I'm going to argue Josiah has got all three. So yeah, that that that's actually my answer to the question. My answer is what? How did the eight A's come out? Yeah. Well, access you've addressed it, and I be, and I really believe because you have a lot of experience, physical and legal that work. Um, my big concern is adjacent. If there's nothing around there that really, you got to find out what this property is going to be used for adjacent to the freeway. If it's a, a more urban area and there's three um, retail strip centers or three gas stations on each of the other quarters of, the, of this thing, then you pretty that's good. Now you know adjacent from an adjacent standpoint what's possible and what will eventually go there. If it's just absolutely nowhere and it's uncleared and everything else around it for miles is farmland, that's eventually what it's going to be used for. What it's probably not going to be used for is any type of residential anything for the most part. So it's a state, the standard old question, run through the eight A's, see where it comes out, and then your set stage two diligence is all about how is it going to be used. And does it make sense financially? I understand where Josiah is coming from. It's all about that major interstate. That's it. I, I There's can't, a time and a place to be on the interstate. What's the time and the place? Because I can't stand interstate property. See, that's where I was going with this. That's <laughs> what I assumed. I know. Yeah. You know, so what's the, what's the time and a place for interstate? Um, I have a rock company, you know, and I want that traffic driving gravel. by there every day. Gravel. Seeing my gravel company. I don't care. No one, the gravel doesn't complain about the noise. In fact, having a gravel company on an interstate is a huge bonus because totally. it's free advertising. There you go. That's why. So, so if it's conducive for that type of On the of back use, wall is going to be painted the name of my gravel company. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see my gravel piled up there. You're going to go, oh, that's where I'm calling when we redo our yard and redo our driveway kind of thing a great example mm -hmm. so that's uh, so that's the thing you the the so the so it sounds like we agree the answer to the question is who's the end user and is it zoned appropriately that's it so follow the moral of the story i don't want to change the zoning follow the eight a's if it passes all of those in general ask yourself this now you're into phase two due diligence it's probably under contract because it's cheap enough how's it actually going to be used and then confirm that it can be used that way. If it's a commercial gravel company, can it be used that way? If it's agriculture, can it be used? So there's gonna be all kinds of things like that from, from anything construction related to housing supplies to nursery, you know, if it's zoned appropriately like that for like a commercial or a trailer use, park. then I think this is gonna be a phenomenal, um, property and then I would just find a really good guy on LoopNet um, that sells things in the area like this. Every uh, property works, it's just a matter of price. And that's true. Uh, there's some I don't buy anymore though. Do yeah, you, but that's so because- Let's be honest. Because that's- be Aren't there properties that if I called you and you'd say, I don't care, you can't give it to yeah, me? Yeah, but that's because we've been doing this for decades. Yeah. If you're new, every property works. Huh. It's like I'll give you five hundred bucks for it, or a dollar. Yeah. So I've given a couple hundred, but I've 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 gone as low as like two hundred dollars. Well, we bought some in bulk below that. But when I'm really talking one on one with a seller, I want to at least make sure they can go take their wife out to dinner. That's you, though. I know. That's me. Today's first topic is Jill's personal story. 
I with I want to hear this more than the listeners. I think. Oh really? Mm-hmm. So, I'm serious. Okay. I just well, I, I started thinking about this um, ten minutes ago. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> I blindsided you on this. Yeah, here's what we're talking about today. So I have like. I really have just a couple points to make in my story. So I'm going to give you just, I'm, we're, this is all 30,000 foot level stuff. So my personal story was growing up in Southern California, it's all about what we do. And I was already intrigued at a very young age at these wealthy real estate investors. It, it, it was impossible in the 80s to not know who Don Cole was or fill in the blank. You know, you'd see their signs on the, on the freeway all over Irvine of these investors and these brokers and these amazing, amazing deals. Like, you know, watching a strawberry field become a hospital and just like, wow, I was so intrigued by all that. Watching... Disneyland take over uh, more and more orange groves and turn them into parking lots and other things around Disney. You know, I, I, I live there and watch the whole thing. And I'm like, somebody's making a whole lot of money off of this. I was, yep. so that was at a young age. I was like, you're just in it. So then I'm sure it's the same for someone growing up in the Midwest and watching farms pop up and farms getting bigger and more agriculture or more cattle or something like that. So I'm sure it's the same thing for me. It was buildings. I am watching buildings. I am watching subdivisions. I didn't really understand it, but I watched it all happen. So, um, and I watched new towns being formed. I watched new zip codes being added. I remember I was intrigued too, like, why do we have a new area code? Why, where did that come from? And it was more and more people. So I was like, huh, there's, there's, there's some, what is this kind of thing? It's like, I always paid attention to all of that. So then my very, very first, uh, full-time job, the job that got me out of the house (laughs) and living on my own. Um, I had plenty of part-time jobs, um, you know, little Rocky mountain chocolate factory and, Goodness, the Disneyland Hotel. Boy, I had some fun there. That's just, you know, that was just as a kid. But my first real full-time job was working for real estate developers. And then I was like, oh, this is what, and I watched these guys show up. I I helped uh, house sit their homes, um, babysit their kids, and see the cars they drove. And I'm like, all right, so there's something here. And I got to really learn ground up what they would do in buying the land. Whew, but they would buy it, maybe rezone it if they had to, and build on it. I watched them build office buildings and I would help with all of that. And you know, that the I'd help read blueprints sometimes and answer calls from the bank and help write checks out of the construction loan account. I learned about all of that. Um, so they would either build office buildings or strip malls. And then they would, what's interesting is this group that I worked for, it was two brothers and one other guy were the main people, three of them, but they would hold on to them. They wouldn't build them to sell them. They would build them to hold them, lease them up and hold them. And then I would help later on. I would, I would, uh, get the rent checks and deposit the rent checks and I would keep track of bookkeeping. So I really learned a lot and I, I loved it. So then I decided I wanted to travel a little bit more. 
Because that's, you know, like I got this job, I understand it. Well, you know what? The thing too, I remember having a discussion with myself. Like I've gone, I went as far as I could and then there were the owners and I couldn't afford to buy in. There was no, there was, that wasn't an opportunity. I wanted to be an owner. I wanted to do what they were doing, but I didn't know how to do that yet. I was 20 something. So I went off and got a job at American Airlines. <laughs> Followed in my family's footsteps, my dad and my grandfather. And I traveled and I, so I got that W-2 job for 17 years. Jeez. I know. Oh boy, talk about drinking the Kool-Aid and the golden handcuffs and all that. I thought, oh, I have seniority. Now I get the days off I want. Now I got the schedule I want. I get first choice vacation. I thought that was all, you know, great. No, it's not. And I, I know. <laughs> there's a life house. You know, it's funny. I still have some friends there and I have to remind them, you know, there's a life outside of American Airlines and they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, but now they're, now they're, they're retiring there. I'm like, you guys are nuts, but whatever. So anyway, the whole time I was there and I did some other W2 jobs after American. I got out of the American thing and realized, oh, there's a whole big world out here. And I did some other things because they yielded more money. I was able to use my talents to make more money. That was the whole point. I always knew I could do more. And it wasn't... You still know... Should I save my questions till the end? Yes, please. <clears throat> okay. And then it wasn't until I met you. And then you really showed me the way to whew, knock it out of the park, to be my own boss, work as little or as hard as I want, call the shots, buy the properties I want, make the make the returns that I wanted, and just really make it count. I mean, I quickly with you learned that, you know, my time is my time. It's I'm, it's the same amount of time to make $1,000 as it is to make $100,000. And I'm gonna argue sometimes it's less on the bigger deals. It takes less of my time. And then, and then now I never look back. I would never go back or I don't even consider it. I, I now I have the secret sauce. I don't have to worry about it. What we're really That's talking my about, story. <clears throat> what I realized while Joe was talking about in the, in this environment is what influenced her to, to get to where she is now. Yeah. And so you did a good job on that, but I, I'm just, I've always been really intrigued by people who say, I want to travel. No. Oh. I don't know what that is. What is and no, it's not because I disagree with it. I just want a real good definition. Oh, I'll tell you. That was code for, that was code for, do you want to start a career now? That for me, that's really all it was. It's like, do you really want to jump into the, your career now? Or do you want to goof off a little bit? And I want to goof off a little bit. Okay, good. So did I didn't you... Wanna, I didn't, wasn't married, didn't have any kids. That was my, that was the, the least did expensive. You, did it work? Oh, yeah. So you traveled everywhere. I did. Where? I did. Where did you go? Uh, oh my gosh, all over Europe. I didn't go to Asia, just, you know, really all over, all over the country, all over Europe, went to Canada, Mexico, you know, I had a really good time, mostly Europe. That was where I like- Is it out of your system? Yeah, I mean- All yes. right, so was it yes mission and accomplished? No. It was mission accomplished. Okay, awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, again. That's really what I'm asking. I knew I was young, I was not married, I didn't have any kids. I'm gonna goof off a little bit and wanna see the world, now's the time to do it. And I couldn't afford it or get the time off. So I'm like, ding, ding. My benefits had changed as a, as a then as an a, adult child of an employee. So I'm like, I better go get my own job there so I can afford to travel and get the perks and get to the places I wanted to go. That was, that was the reason I did that, so. Did I ever want to be like CEO out of a major airline? Heck no. 
So that was. And then you said later you always wanted more. Yeah. Did you get it? Yeah. Do you still want more? No. Really? Mom. <clears throat> I mean, define. That's good. That's a good. Just I mean, right honestly, on. that's a good you know knee-jerk answer, Joe. I don't honestly, mean knee-jerk. No. I'm good, immediate, non-thought, thought-out yeah. answer. Don't want more. No, because you know what? Actually, you asked me this a while back. You you asked me some question. I can't remember how it was worded, and my answer was, I already succeeded my goals where my goals were for many years. Seriously already already hit and succeeded that it actually happened in when we were back in southern california living on the beach the first time the first house not even not not where we ended up on the beach i was like i was shoot i was happy over there i thought i was like one and then it kept getting better and better and better mm -hmm. like whoa so i don't i don't have a the only push i have to do more and and is just because now it's fun <laughs> Yeah, it's rewarding. I agree. Yeah. But I'm not like dying to prove anything to anybody. I'm not dying to prove anything to myself. Did that answer that? Yeah. Would you change anything? Yeah, I would have got out of that W-2. I would have got out of the W-2 cog after five years, not, not 20. I wasted 20 flipping years. That's about, yeah, you know what? It was about 20 years of that whole cycle until I met you. Wow. Mm -hmm. I could have done without that. <laughs> Jeez. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. On that note, let's take a look at one of our favorite land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday member webinar. Who'd you do this deal? Spartanburg County, South Carolina. Uh, 6.3 acres. Wow. Purchase price $77,000. I love Jeez. that from the looks here. Look at this. Thinks we can sell it for $150. I'm liking that too. Uh, access, yes. Affordable, yes. Adjacent, yes. Alive, yes. Oh, this is, these are the ones I love. Original owner mm -hmm. since the 70s. Yep. Sellers were going to build. This is just the classic Land Academy mm -hmm. story. They were going to build there and they decided to live in North Carolina close to their family. It's been unused for 50 years. It has timber and it's paved. Gas, electricity, and water right there at the property. Five stars so far. We just got to check the now price. Now I'm trying to find something wrong with it. We got to check the price of these houses and stuff. Yeah, it's out of a storybook. Oh, look at all these new houses. Wow. Yeah, okay. I hope the houses are worth at least three or four. What's that pond thing right there? Somebody's yard. It's, a pond, it's a pond thing, I think. Okay. I think Chelsea's doing a would you brag about this deal. Me too, which is good. Uh -huh. It's better than would you cry about this deal. That's true. Zero properties uh, for sale, 30 sold. These are prop lots, just uh, land, five to 10 acres in that zip code. All land, 169 sold. I'm going to do six months here. 46 sold and just a few active for all properties and they're all tiny. This is a smoking deal. I'm a thumbs up. I mean, let's let's check these housing prices. Like, I bet this is probably expensive. Chelsea's trying to get it cheaper, which I love too. I just sent you one that's pending. That's two acres. It's like pretty close to it. Two seventy six, and that's the house that's right behind it. Seventy seven. Seventy seven. That's I have fifty would be better, but I think that you're going to do fine at seventy seven, don't you? Mm -hmm. I, I like would list 52. it for one fifty. Yeah. Yeah, just like you said. Mm hmm. Hey, it is the end of the year. You, I think there's some time left 
uh, on our offers to owners, direct mail uh, opportunity to get some stuff going. I know there is. For the end of this year and early into January. So check out offers, the number two owners.com and start budgeting and planning and maybe even prepay for some mailers so you can hit the ground running in 2024. That's what we're doing. So check it out. Let's take another question posted by one of our members on the Land Academy Discord online community. Ed wrote, has anyone had any success with properties with no physical access? Have you been successful getting access? Was it worth the hassle? How about success selling it to a neighbor? I'm getting quite a few and I hate to see them go to waste, but I don't want to waste my time either. You're perfect at this. Last year or last uh, week, I said this sentence, which will eventually come back and bite me, but it's really good now. Mm-hmm. All properties were some, some has some value, all of them. So I built my career, which we're going to talk about here in a second, on buying access list property. And I didn't seek it out. It just happened to be within my budget at the time. And so I made it work. I changed how we marketed it and uh, and made sure that we paid so little amount of money. All access list property has some serious value, all of it. But it's not worth the same amount, not even close to the same amount of, of an adjacent property that has physical and legal access. And so, yeah, you can seek these out if you want. There's, there's always a way to eventually get access to a property. It, the question is, are you going to go through eight years of your life in some cases or, or a very long time usually and a lot of arguing and all kinds of stuff that that's associated where it's probably in the end not worth it. It's better to just send out more mail, pick some properties that uh, fall within your your um, the amount of pro- money that you're offering and you've already predetermined that it works. And so that's that's what we choose to do in our career. But I did more than bought and sold more than 10,000 properties without access, fully disclosing that we were never trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. It was so blasted cheap that it just worked for the the people we sold it to. Mm -hmm. So, yes. So I have had a lot of success with uh, no physical access. Yeah, I believe all most probably all states by now have passed laws that no one can be withheld access to their property. I don't think any state will say, well, too bad, so sad. Hope you have to, you're gonna buy a helicopter if you're gonna go visit your property kind of thing. I don't think that exists anymore. But but like what, what Jack was saying is, sometimes you have compliant neighbors and you can work it out and that's the best case scenario. If you had a property and you found a nice neighbor that like, oh, sure, we, I don't mind giving up 30 feet over on this side. Let's, you can, you can do that. There's a process, getting a survey, getting it recorded, r- legal descriptions have to be rewritten, and then it's all physical, legal, and you're good to go. But it can take time. So that's, that's the best case scenario, and it's probably going to be 90 days to six months, couple grand, and everybody's on the same page. Worst case scenario is nobody wants to do it, and mm-hmm. now you got there's a court battle, and that's where you know you would have to basically go to the you're working with the county and almost suing yeah. people to, and the county's going to pick 
ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, between one, one poor person or maybe a couple, how it's going to happen. Like we have to give up the access. I'm sorry. You're going to have to give up this part of your part. Nobody wants that. So that's where it could take years, you know, so you need to know both. And they'll, so the question is, have I, have I done it? Um, I mean, yeah, actually, but I haven't, I haven't done it all the way to the end. I've made sure it was possible and what the steps were. So my seller, so my buyer could get it. But big picture now is I don't really mess with it. Like Jack's saying is if you're new, don't, I wouldn't mess with it. You're, especially if you're really, really new, make sure you have physical and legal access and then you never don't think about it. And then, you know what? Ed, someday you figure it out. You get a great attorney and neighbors are compliant. I don't know. Circle back around to those properties. We keep track of that. In our inventory, when we uh, pass on deals that people have signed and sent back, we notate in our Airtable base why. And and one of them is access. So you know what? Someday you want to go back and look at those? You sure can. You'll have an easy little you know, list to go, here are all the ones I didn't buy and that's why. Here's just really important to understand about lack of access with all properties. <clears throat> they're not equal and they're not the same. You can there's a hundred thousand almost infinite number of reasons why property doesn't have access. And so the question lies whether or not you can make some create some value out of it lies in whose property do you have to cross to get to yours? Here's some examples. Jeez, Jill and I bought <clears throat> an island one time in a river in the Pacific Northwest and it worked out great because it was water access and, and but did that property have access no and did we seek it out no it just we kind of I don't remember what happened with it it was hilarious here's another example of accessless property that worked out great uh, you got across the Bureau of Land Management BLM land to get to it well that's easy believe it or not it's easy really easier it was in our case to just to call the BLM, apply to a two-page application. I'm floored still over that because federal government's tough to deal with. To get 100-year access for a dollar, I think it cost a dollar or dollar fifteen or something crazy, and and we got it, and we sold the property successfully, and everybody was satisfied with that. I bought properties uh, on the flip side that were the side, the, the internal side of the Grand Canyon on accident with no access, mm-hmm. almost no value. Who bought it? A rock climber, literally. Mm-hmm. He wanted to say I was climbing on his own property. I'm not sure about rock climbing in the Grand Canyon, but that's not my problem. It's his. And so whose property you have to, to cross is imperative here. There's been many, many cases where Jill called a neighbor and said, we, we're going to buy the property behind you. Would you like to buy it from us? If not, would you, is, can you see it in your heart to grant us access on the eastern part of your property? Happy to pay you or not. And many times they say, you know what? I was always wondered about that property. And sure, we'll grant you access. Send us the stuff. You don't need to pass. Mm-hmm. It comes in all different shapes and sizes. And then the opposite, of course, is the Hatfields and McCoys. And I will meet you here with my shotgun <laughs> if you attempt to even try to get access to that property. It's kind of funny. What do they all have in common? It's a bunch of freaking work. That's it. And we're not in the business of That's working. It. We're in the business of buying a piece of property really cheap and reselling it without doing anything except finding a real estate agent for a lot more. There we go. Today's second topic, my personal story. 
So as I'm going through this, I want do not want this to be about me. I would like to it to be about you, the listener or watcher. And I want you to think about the things that have influenced you to get to your point wherever you are, positively and negatively, because that's really what my story is about. about. I was born in the late 60s in, uh, in, in our lower middle class suburb of Detroit on 13 Mile. We've all heard of 8 Mile. Well, it's you know five miles north of that. Not, that. not too far out of the muck. My dad had, uh, as far back as I can remember, a small tax accounting firm. And he was never happy. He was never happy about uh, working, I found out later. Hmm. It wasn't that he wasn't unhappy. And so he had clients, and he could see in their tax returns how much money they were making or not making. Well, it turns out, no surprise, the clients that he had that were making a bunch of money and, and paying taxes or avoiding taxes, let's say, legitimately avoiding taxes, hopefully, he became friends with. And so he would they would ask him if, if he liked the deal or didn't like the deal, and sometimes he was a partner. And so he started buying properties with these partners that he had. Some of it was farmland way up so we were on 13 mile and now way up into 28 mile and 36 mile road all the way up where there was just it was all farms and it was becoming subdivisions at the same time my entire extended family all the men worked for some version of the car companies detroit is the absolute ground zero for unions love them or hate them that's the way it is and so and my dad was not in a union. He owned his own business. Everybody on both sides of my family was involved in that somehow. And none of those people were ever satisfied. All they talked about is the day they were retire. They had calendars in their basements. 365,000 days until I retire. And so it just became a retirement, race to retirement thing. When they retired, because I was around for that too, many, many, many years later, they were twice as upset because that was it. And so I never wanted to be like that. I I never wanted to uh, let some predetermined concept. This is an, all in the, under the guise of influence. So I had a positive influence these real estate deals my dad was doing. And then 50 stories of my immediate family where it was the exact opposite. They're on somebody else's time, somebody else's schedule. They're collecting a paycheck uh, check like Jill just said. Not happy. Jill just did. <laughs> you know, Jill's story has a happy ending. But I'll tell you with confidence all my extended family that was not a happy ending so my dad gets involved in this real estate deal where he bought there were three uh, distribution centers for back then when you had a telephone on the wall uh, all those network lines had to be maintained and so it was a distribution three distribution centers around southeastern michigan that were huge triple net Massive triple net um, facilities where the trucks were stored and the supplies were stored. It, it, and it was back then called uh, Michigan Bell. Bell as in Alexander Graham Bell. And those and my dad bought those three properties from a, a retiring accountant coming off of 30-year leases at an amazing rate. And he, he lost money for three years until they renegotiated another a, a higher-end lease to adjust for inflation and new costs and all that and immediately resold them for a ridiculous amount of money. And so I'm paraphrasing because we don't have a ton of time. He did a bunch of real estate deals up to that. And I have long list of stories of me and my sister sitting in the back of his car, driving out to a 28 mile road and looking at farmland. 
So this, this deal triggered us to move. We moved from this lower middle class uh, area to one of the nicest suburbs in Michigan, called Gross, in southeastern Michigan called Gross Point. And I remember this like it was yesterday because I was just starting to be old enough to understand some of this stuff or at least be intrigued by it. Let's call this, you know, influenced by it. And we uh, were, we packed our stuff up and we were in the car and I asked my parents what, what, you know, they bought a house and sold it. And so they took the, the money from the new, the old sale and plowed it into the new one. So I asked them about what these prices are, like how much were they, they bought that house for $13,000 and sold it for 87,000 to which I said immediately, this is like this with these guys in the desert building strip malls. Well, why don't we buy all these houses then? Mm-hmm. If that's the case. And my dad stopped the car and he looked at me. I thought I was in trouble. You know, we were always in trouble back then. Were you? No. <laughs> well, no. And he said, that's the smartest thing I've ever heard. And so that always stuck with me. It really influenced me. And uh, we moved to one of the nicest neighborhoods. And I was fortunate enough to go to high school there you know, and, and have a great high school experience. And then go on to college. But... In the back of my head, I always knew that the way it just, it was very so simple about buying a lot land and buying houses or whatever else and just reselling them. So that set the stage. I went into accounting, got out of college, got a job, a really good, I was a commercial real estate broker for full commission uh, and did, I made nothing and ate ramen noodles for probably two years. The third year, I did incredibly well because I decided to specialize in buying and selling long-term care facilities, assisted living and nursing home, nursing homes. And my best client was in Scottsdale, Arizona. And so they were taking their company public. I did a bunch of deals for them, got paid, uh, finally, a lot, way too much for my age. You know, it was it was all pent up and I blew a lot of money real fast. <laughs> Luckily, these guys called me and said, we need an acquisition person. You seem to know what we want. We got, we're going to go public. We've got to take the whole, we've got to do a roadshow and get, raise capital and the whole thing. So I couldn't fly out here, which is, ends up being here fast enough. Got the job. During the interview, I told the CEO, I'm either going to fly here next week with this job or without it. And so they hired me. We did a lot of deals. I negotiated a, I, I'll never forget, I had a one bedroom apartment. I think it was $515. I had nothing in it except a mattress on the floor. And I made a $50,000 base salary. This is 1993, $50,000 base salary and 2% of everything I bought. These are five and $10 million properties. And mm-hmm. that's when it all launched. I did fantastically well with those guys. We took the company public. I had equity, so I was even making more on that. And ultimately got a call from KPMG, which wasn't that back then. And they swooned me away to become a partner there, to do it for them, buy and sell for their clients, buy and sell long-term care facilities. They had a lot of really huge healthcare systems, hospital systems that had nursing homes that they didn't want. So negotiated a deal, got a percentage of the sale on that. So all during while this is happening, I bought a piece of property on eBay, an 80-acre property for $8,000 in Arizona. And 30 days later, I bought it, got the deed. I didn't know anything. 
I didn't know about how deeds worked. You know, we were doing huge healthcare facility deals with lawyers on both sides. And I didn't really have to do any real work. I was just kind of like, I was the guy in the board meeting saying we should buy this property because the numbers really work and making everybody laugh. That's all you had to do back then. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's what you had to do is just make everybody laugh. Sometimes. So I bought this property, (laughs) bought this 80 acre property, which I know now had no access whatsoever in the worst part of Arizona for eight grand, uh, got the deed. It was recorded and I copied the deed. I had no idea what I was doing and then resold it on the same thing on eBay for uh, $16,000. And that was it. That was it. I was done. I forgot about accounting. I forgot about healthcare systems. All I did from that point forward is plan the rest of my life to get to where we are now. Mm-hmm. So huge influence early on, on both, way, both ways. The takeaway from this is I watched some people very close to me make a lot of money in real estate quickly. What seemed like it was quickly to me, probably it was pain for them, pure pain. And I also watched at the same time the demise of my every single male on both sides of my family just implode on themselves uh, working for the auto industry their entire lives, giving in both in on my grandfather's both side, both of my grandfathers died of um, respiratory diseases working in the factories before the EPA and before there were any OSHA or any of that stuff. So literally killed them. And that was it. I, I left my, I had a, I closed a huge deal for KPMG, got the fee, put in my two weeks notice and moved back to Arizona. And I made it my life's mission, my mission in life to buy inexpensive land and resell it. And that was like 1999. How's it working out? It's working out great. Good. <laughs> you mentioned, you know, some of the people along the way that you're like, clearly influenced you. So do you have one person in particular that you can say that was the biggest? My buddy in high school, his father was incredibly successful and and my buddy now inherited all that and he made it three times, four times as uh, successful. He's just as smart as his father, if not more. And I got a chance to spend, uh, because my parents moved us to Gross Point, got a chance to spend summers with, with that, that family and really got exposed to um, just at that time, multi-million dollar balance sheets. And they were all from, they all were in a, involved in accounting. And so, yeah, I just had, that was a huge positive influence, but it was all going to be real. They, they, if you talk to anybody who owns manufacturing facilities or they all hate real estate, it's all just like, because the profit margins in real estate are not what they are from an ordinary income standpoint. But it didn't, it didn't phase me. I knew that that was what was going to happen. Would you change anything? Probably not. Jeez. Uh, do you think you spent any, do you think in any, anywhere along the way you spent not enough time or too much time? It's interesting. I see all this high, I'll, I'll answer it this way. I see all this crap on the internet about, about side hustles and passive yeah. income and all of that. I didn't know that at the time, but that's what I was doing. I had a built-in percentages for all the deals that I was doing anyway. And I was always, after that one deal in the mid-90s, after that, I was always buying and selling land on the side anyway. So it wasn't a thing called a side hustle. It was uh, automatic. Mm-hmm. I, every deal, I, every place I worked, I was planning my exit. I was either going to take over the company, take the, over the completely take over the company, yep. 
or I was going to leave with a with with my my land business, yeah. you know, developed. Oh, I see. Got it. But there was no. I was not going to work there for twenty years. It was never going to ever going to happen. I would when I left public accounting. I said this to the guy that I worked for, and I said this sentence: I would rather flip burgers mm. for the rest of my life than do this for two more weeks. And you know what he said to me? I completely understand. <laughs> That's hilarious. Just worn down to a nub. At that point, he was. Okay. So, I really would encourage you to look at the negative influences in your life and you know male or female as much as you're looking around at the positive influences and if all you've ever had is negative influences great stand right in front of the mirror and say this is I now I've got a great example of what I don't want to do and be yep I think that's just as important as having a positive influence excellent Let's take a look at another one of our favorite land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday member webinar. Yay. All right. Hello. Because I want you to do this deal. Uh, Benton, Belt, excuse me, Belton County, Texas, or Bell County, Texas, um, 0.25 acres. Uh, accepted offer $7,179. Thinks we could sell between $22,000 and $25,000. Love it. Asphalt. There we go. That was a, a word we used a lot yesterday. Um, access to some utilities. people in career path think that asphalt should be the seventh day. Yeah. It's kind of a stretch if you yeah. ask me. It's, uh, on a slope, but it looks flat in the front. There is a lot of land I see available. Yeah. I looked at the property, um, gradient less than 20 degrees at the back homes are mostly in position, but lower value near by. So go ahead. I just need to see some numbers and make sure there's enough room for me to do something with it. And you know what? It's, I don't, I'm not really a fan because there's so much property available yeah. unless I like to look around and see what was, when was the last house built? Like look at some of the houses in the area. I just click around them and I go down and I scroll down here in the information. If it was, if they all were built in 1969 and nothing's been built since then, that's another kind of a strike. It's for me. gotta be an HOA by the way. Let's look at the legal. Can I see the legal? Yeah, Sherwood Shores. Sherwood Shores Section Seven. 8 in the lots 20, 227, yeah. 220. So that's a good chance it could be HMA. And there's just too much dirt. So let's see how much is for sale. So what I would just, mm -hmm. I would walk away from oh. this at any price. That one's a little bit um, to the east, but so I don't know. I'd call that agent and see what they say first and then go back and just try to get it for nothing. That is pending too. Mm -hmm. There's nothing but land here. So mm -hmm. this could be like we were talking about on career path, a bucket three property, buy it for a couple thousand bucks, let's say, and you know, it's going to be in your inventory for three years, but you'll get 10 and eventually. You and you don't care about 2000 bucks or, or even seven or whatever. Mm -hmm. We, we have properties like that. Yeah. We know it's going to take two years, but, and we're asking absolute top dollar and, and I'm okay with that. That's this one. <laughs> Cause you know why? Cause you know what the secret is? He doesn't want it to sell. That's true. That's the thing. He has marked it with a make me move number. <laughs> we have fly fishing property in Arizona. It's like it's not very, selling it. Very unusual to find that. Yeah. Jill, you have something inspirational to share. Well, I have a question for you. And I'm not just you, Jack, but for you um, here with us today. Are you excited about or afraid of 2024? I'm excited as hell. Isn't that funny? Like I was talking earlier today about I'm already writing 2024 on 
on everything. Like, I, you know, here's, I had a little scare the other day. Duh. I like, I almost got duped by a stupid spam email, which prompted me to uh, spend the next two hours changing a bunch of passwords. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> lovely you know so nothing nothing bad happened cut it all just in time i'm like doggone it i'll tell you what it was i was expecting a docusign from my staff and here comes a docusign and i didn't notice it wasn't the right docusign until i'm like in it like shoot this is not the right one so anyway locked it all down we're all good got new passwords so i'm like well it's coming into 2024 it's been some time on some of these passwords i need to change them so i'm like you know i i for some reason i personally feel pulled into 2024 not dragged and i'm not afraid of it and then i'm not sitting watching the clock i'm like Let's start this, man. I'm I I I feel really good about everything we did in 2023. You know what it is? I think, and I'll and then I'm gonna ask you. I personally have some have some bigger projects for 2024 mm -hmm. that I'm excited Me about. Too. So I kind of want to get them going. I'm like, let's yeah. hurry up and just. I don't care. We'll just start January today. I'm kind of I'm kind of happy with that. So um so so I'm thinking of you, um listening or watching. You know, how are, how are you feeling and why? What is your why? If you're hesitant about 2024, maybe you didn't have the best 2020, or maybe, you know, if you're hesitant about 2024, you probably had a pretty good 2023 and you're not sure you can top it. That would be a reason I can think of, but I know I'm going to top it. I, I know in my gut we're going to top 2023 next year. So I'm like, bring it. What about you? You know, I'm an accountant, so I look at, there's, we have 12 new fresh blank canvas uh, accounting periods to go through. And so around the middle of October. We call those a month on my side of, for me. It's called. <laughs> you can imagine just a whiteboard, just erasing 2023 and, and putting 2024 at the top, which I do obviously in software. Mm -hmm. And you just stare at it. It's like anything's possible. And around October, mid-October to late October, you know how the year is going to end. So now I've been going through like just pain because we can't like you, we can't start the next year yet. Right. I already knew what's going to happen here. Right. You know, I love finishing stuff. I, it's like a personality flaw when you drop that cherry on top of the... the Hot fudge Sunday. Yeah. And it's needing it. It's not the highlight. Just looking at it like it's perfect right now. So that's how I look at uh, January 1st, it's everything's just perfect. We, we're either going to make it, uh, we're going to either mess it all up because time's going to go on anyway, or we're going to make it amazing, better than the, the year before. And, and it's like, so now I'm challenged. We know it's going to finish. It's going to end. This is all positive. I'm, I'm, not, argue, I'm not blowing smoke here. This I'm going to argue you don't know how to mess it all up. I'm going to say whatever it is, because you and I will pivot, whatever it is. Yeah. We will sell that pizza joint and pivot. Yeah, I mean, you know, January is always We've a really, done that. really good month for us because everybody just comes out of their their stupid holiday shell and they're like, they have pent up deals to do Brilliant. on the buy side and the sell side. Exactly. February yeah. is usually as good and then summer starts rolling in and, and there's issues. So, but she's right. If uh, like, I don't know, April or May suck, which sometimes that happens, we, then we just make changes. 
Because you stop. That's going what to the accounting gym. periods are for. They're, so you can measure them against each other and say, this one kind of sucked, so we got to make some changes here. Totally. Jack, what do you have for us? Do you have something you want to share? I think it's, well, it's an it's a offshoot again of, of my story. I, I really think it would, there's three days left in this month. Define what you want. Really define it. You know, do you want, on what side of that do you want to be on? If you've got negative influences all over you, why would you repeat that? Why would you, uh, you know, copy the people that are a negative influence on you or have been in the past? And if you don't have a positive role model where you need an example of what to do, the, geez, the internet's there. We didn't have that. Mm-hmm. We were stuck with the 15 people in our immediate circle. And our uh, teachers. To learn from, yeah, and our teachers, right? Yeah. So define your interests. You have to be interested. I just, I grab it. I don't know why. You know, real estate, you heard the story. Real estate chose me. I could have been easily with all the influences that I had gone straight into manufacturing, which maybe would have been better. Wouldn't be, I'm just not interested in it. I'm not a mechanical engineer. I don't, you know, great. Parts get stamped out and you sell them to GM. But that sounds like the bo- most boring thing I've ever heard. Buying 160 acres on 28 mile road out of town and uh, selling it for a lot more. That's interesting. It's got my name on it. Yeah. And it always has. I like that. I completely agree. Don't forget, if you want to learn more about us, go on landacademy.com. From there, you can get our free ebook, read about us. You can schedule a call with my team. Lots of great stuff. Join us next week for another interesting episode. Buy land cheap, sell it for more on the internet, usually a lot more. We We are Jack Jack and Jill, Jill. information and inspiration to buy undervalued property.